Okay, on page Lamed Vav, Parag Dalad. The Mechavah, the author now, is easing us, easing us into the actual practical Mahalach of how people like ourselves are supposed to stop just or not be satisfied just thinking about the Rabbi Shalom. Not thinking about our Yiddishkeit, not thinking about the Misses, but actually developing developing a powerful Hargish that we can live, as we've been learning about since the beginning in the Mishalm we had last week with Gan Eden, and the Moshe we had a very simple Moshe about the child with the bicycle and so on. So, what the Tzaddik is going to teach, page Lamed Vav, what the Tzaddik is going to teach us here is that we have to develop, we have to develop the, the skill in using in using certain kalim that the Baruch Shalom gave us, but they're rusty and that we just we haven't used them properly. Because we must have the ability to, we must we have the kalim that are necessary in order to feel the Baruch Shalom in our lives. We have the kalim. The same way that the same way that in physical things in life that a person might discover that he has certain kaiches, he has certain kaiches that he never realized that he had. God forbid if it's an emergency. There's something that comes up in his life that requires focused focused use of a certain part of his mind, of a certain part of his body, a certain emotion. We have tremendous, tremendous kaiches. But if we don't harness those kaiches and we don't know how to use them and what to do with them, so then we can go to 120 and and we don't discover what can be accomplished. Therefore, there's a certain chush that the neshama has for Hashem's brach. Obviously, since we can't we can't relate to Hashem with any of our physical senses, that's clear. We can't see, we can't smell, we can't touch, and so on. So the question is, what? So what exactly is he talking about? With which, with what chush do we connect in? What kalim do we have to connect in? So obviously. The chush that a Jew has is the chush on the shaman. The chush of the neshama. So the person thinks right away, oh, here we go again. We're talking now about you know, the neshama. So it's like, you know, an old Kalabach nigin, you know, uh, oh, holy, holy, holy. And uh, my, you have a holy soul. A friend of mine told me that that on a Shabbos a couple of years ago, one of his children, one of his children, couldn't take it anymore, and the kid finally said, "You mind telling me what it means all the time when you say it that neshama, like you know, of being holier than neshama? What, what are you talking about?" And this after like 12 years of hearing the Shabbos table and all the drushes in the house. What does that mean, the neshama? The neshama is not just a reality inside of us; it's a kli that we have. It's a kli. It's something that we have. We just don't know how to use it. And the Sramakadash tell us how do we access our Nisham and how do we use the Nisham. You could have the most magnificent you could have the most magnificent uh, computer, the most up to date fantastic computer, the most wonderful uh, up to date state of the art oven and stove. And the fact that there's a Mitsiyas that you know that it exists in your house, it's a very nice thing. But Lamaya says it's not gonna get you anywhere, it's not gonna get you separate, it's not gonna get you any information unless you know how, how to use it. So let's begin. This so the next few prokim he speaks about one of the ways that we could use the neshama, how we could begin to use the neshama 
and 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 as as that chush develops, we can we can actually use it. No differently than we can use our eyes and ears to feel the Rishon. It's no different. Adravi, it's much stronger than the eyes and the ears. It's a much stronger chush that a Jew has in the Rishon, eyes and ears. That's the kayak that we have to be able to go beyond what we see with our eyes and what we hear with our ears. If not, Klayasol wouldn't have any existence. Because Alpi, the Mitzis that we see in front of us, it's very hard to believe that Klayasol has survived for thousands of years. According to the Mitzis that we can sense with our regular Chushim, meaning with the eyes, the ears, and the nose, and the mouth, and so on. That doesn't explain Klayasol's existence. The only thing that can explain the existence of Klai Yisrael is that there's, a, that there's a kli, a chush that Klai Yisrael has and Klai Yisrael knows intuitively and through learning how to use this chush, his kli that enables us to see something beyond what we see with our eyes. Which I was talking about in, in shul last week, two weeks ago. But Rabbi Romala Egu and other can talk about is that that a person has the ability to see something that he can't see with his eyes? And as the Yavan and the Greeks, like the Divichaim writes, all the Greeks wanted us to live by is what we see, with the chushim that we see and we hear and we smell. The Yavanim wanted to limit the kayach of a Jew to that of any other human being who is, who is bound by the chushim, by the physical senses that he has. So the Greeks said, a human being can see, can smell, can touch, can hear, and, and, and can speak. These are the chushim that a human being has. <coughs> and, and the mahalach of, of the Yavanim was that Jews should be like anybody else, that live the same way that all of us have these chushim. And we try to enjoy the world using these chushim, these senses, these kevun that we have. Jews should be no different. And based upon that reality that the normal, so-called normal Chushim experience, it would have been impossible for the Chashmanayim to even conceive of an idea of taking a small group of Yeshiva Bachem. We grew up thinking, you know, you know, through Hanukkah plays and other other Narishkeit, cute Narishkeit, that like like the Makabim were like, you know, like like hitmen from the mafia or something. They were, all, they were all yeshiva bachan. They were, they were in as bad shape as we are. Probably worse because they because they didn't indulge in many of the things that we indulge in to take care of ourselves. They were yeshiva bachan. They were b'neitera, the kahanim. And how they conceived, how did they conceive of a mulchama, of a war? How did they conceive of an uprising? The terrorists is that there are two ways of looking at reality. One is with your eyes, and the other, the regular eyes, like the Greeks have. What you see is what you get. And the other is, there's a Bechina that's called V'chalayin L'chotetzap. That there's an eye that sees something beyond the reality of here and now. When you're teaching somebody, if you're a Rebbe of students, and all you see is the goofy kid in front of you, with all of his chastrainas, and very few milas, because kids, we don't see that. So then you become an angry, bitter teacher, like many of them are. If you're able to be a rabbi that sits with a child, that sits with a with a another Jew, and you're able to look at that person and see not only what the eyes show you, but to be able to see what things could look like when you close your eyes, like Ibn Ahmed said, 
When a person wants to see something very far away, he squints, right? He closes his eyes. When you want to see something right next to you, you just open your eyes, you look. But when you want to see something that you can't see with your eyes, you start to squint. And when you want to see something that's impossible to see with the eyes, you close your eyes entirely, right? Like Yitzhak, you know. You close your eyes entirely. And then you can see something beyond what you could see with your eyes. So every Rebbe, every parent, anybody that's trying to, to, to teach another Jew, you can only do that when you close your eyes and see somebody, what this person can be. So the Hashemim were able to see who the Jewish people are capable of becoming. That's a chush that the Jewish people have that the Gaim don't have. They can speak about it and talk about it, but but, but those, their, their people came and they went. And when the conditions of life became so difficult that their physical senses told them you can't go on living, they stopped living. Whereas my parents and some of your parents or grandparents who climbed out of the Holocaust, how is it possible for them to, to get up the next morning? We're not masi, what that means. It's only because a Jew has a chush, something different. It's called the chalayin l'chasitzapen, an eye that is longing, that's waiting, that believes that there's something beyond this that I see with my eyes, or that I hear with my ears, or that I could taste, or that I could smell. That's, that's the chush that we're talking about. How to develop that chush that a Jew has, which is, which is a chush that's from the neshama, and how to use that. So he begins, Nizbar l'fameinu, v'jlamagvar. We've been talking until now that there are two ways of believing. One is intellectually with the mind, and the other is emunah to feel it in one's heart. And what's the chilik between these two types of emunah? With my mind, it's a yidia. We're talking about this. It's just a yidia of muskalis, of information, of something that. I have that I that I understand in my mind. The heart is capable of feeling something. I'm at sea. It's not just knowing of it, but actually feeling it. The same way that a person is able in this world to see things and to hear things, he's able. A person is able to feel the presence of the Barishlam every minute of his life. Now, in order that we're at this point now, that we want to find out how do we do this. We're convinced we understand by this point, and, and, and it's good if you could a little bit, we're convinced by this point that, that it's the same way that it's, it's, none of us are expecting after this life to just hear about Ganeiden, right? Or to think about Ganeiden, but we all are waiting for the experience of being in Ganeiden. So too, the Bani Shalom is telling us that the tachlis of our lives is not to think about him or to hear about him. That's, that's all good. But the tachlis is, uvaisidbak is dveikis basham, which means to be chash, to feel his presence every second. Now, in order for this to happen, in order that that should be, it means he has to awaken within himself a certain koyach. Like I was saying before, he has to he has to uncover within himself a certain kayak that he never knew that he had. There's a kayak that we have we don't know we have. If we haven't felt the Rajlam until now, it's a sim, it's a sign. That this khush it exists within us, but we don't know about it. 
We don't know about it, and because we don't know about it, we haven't used it. What is this chush? What is this sense, this way of experiencing a feeling? That through that we can experience and feel the Rosh And how do we reveal this chush? How do we use this chush? How do we find it and how do we use it? We spoke about this, that a person has to feel the Rosh the same way that he feels his hand and his foot. The same way that he feels that in other words, it's not something outside of me, it's me. It's Mamish inside of me, it's who I am. Right? And we spoke about how how pathetic it is, God forbid, and pitiful, if a person can only know about his leg because he heard that he has a leg, or because his Zaydis told him that they have a Messiah that all of us have legs. That's a very pitiful way to live. <coughs> the way that a person lives is that he knows that he has a leg because he feels that it's part of him and he can't be without it. That's how we have to feel the Bernshalm in our lives. She says, It's not something that I touch and I'm able to know if somebody says, like we spoke about, do you have a leg? And you say, hold on a second. And you go, yep, I have a leg. It's not that. It's that I, it's, I, can't, I can't feel not having a leg. That's who I am. It's my actual existence. In a person, there are Ramach, Ramach, Evarim, Shasagidim. There are 248 Evarim, 248 limbs, and Shasa, 365 Gidim, veins, and so on. And the way that you feel your body is through your very existence, that's, there are people that other people might sense that you're about to enter into the room like that. But if you have to, if you have to give a shmek in order to know that you're that it's you, it's a it's, it's a big rechmanis. Atan is brainy benovitz. Let's understand. Im Adam writes a lochus is The person wants to experience to feel the Creator. to feel the truth, which is that the Baruch is a chelik of you. He's not. Somewhere over the rainbow, but he's mamish you in you. He's part of you. Is this something that I could feel physically? That can't be, because regarding the Rebbeinu Shalom, we know that the Rebbeinu Shalom has no physical image, and therefore one cannot be masik him. A human being, a physical being, can't physically can't physically be masik, can't comprehend God, can't connect to God through anything physical. The Barisham obviously is totally, totally separated from anything that's physical and defies any physical definitions or feelings. He cannot be felt physically. And I, 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 many times I've mentioned this that I remember as a child there was a time where my sister I have an older sister she was going through a very very religious tchufa when we were kids and when I would sit down next to her she would start to scream that not to sit there because Hashem is sitting over there and I and I, and I was you know pretty spooked out I remember by that when I was a little kid that, that Hashem is sitting there but then I, I, I caught on pretty quickly because I realized that other people were allowed to sit next to her 
and I and I realized that she must have some other cheshbon. Why I'm the only one that's sitting on God? How come mommy and daddy are not interfering with God's presence? Only me. But as a child, for a child to be able to have that chush, to imagine that there's that there's something sitting next to me, and I can't, and no one can sit next to me because that's that's Hashem over there. Obviously, as we mature, we understand that that's that's not that's not true. That God doesn't take up physical space. And he wants Jews sitting next to each other, especially brothers and sisters. There's no problem. And yet there's something very, very sad about losing that that clarity and that innocence of a child who feels the Bible's presence. So how can we regain that without making a terrible theological mistake by thinking that God forbid there's something physical? Which is, you know, there's a big machlaikis between the Rambam and the Ravid regarding regarding the common practice even that we have in many of our own swarm of portraying God in any physical way which is you know the Rambam's entire sefer the, certainly the first chelik of Marnevuchim is his is the war that he was fighting against anthropomorphism to try to give physical attributes to God which the Rambam fought fought Mamish his entire life against the only reason he fought against it was because it was obviously an extremely widely accepted view that God does have the eyes that the Torah says, Eine Hashem. And that God does have a mouth, because the Torah says he has a mouth. And the Ravid responded by saying that there, are him that there are greater people than him, than the Rambam. I'm not allowed to talk that way. The Ravid can. There are greater people than you that saw God in such a way. Not that the Ravid agreed that there's something physical. But the question of whether there's anything fear, is that called, is that called heresy? The Rambam believed that it was heretical to attribute anything physical to God. The Ravid said it's incorrect, but it's not heresy. I'm sorry? The Ravid was referring to uh, the meaning of, of, of either Meishavain or other Nevi'im describing visions that they had, or Yecheskel Navi as God sitting... And having uh, and having arms and legs and so on, and what that means, and the Ravid agreed that that there is that there is no chasar shalom. There's nothing physical about Hashem. He just did not agree that that's considered to be uh, a, a, a an attack against one of the ikarim of our faith, of our belief. But that's not for now. The side of is that obviously that's not true. And Akadosh Baruch Hu is emel demusaguf leyisiguhu masigi haguf. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Meshulam Nikol Metziah Shagashmiz The Rabbani Shalom is It's not to say that, that he's far removed from anything physical that We can't talk about Hashem Using the, the vocabulary of physical existence Doesn't doesn't mean anything Pashut Baruch Me'al Safek It's clear And it's beyond and above any doubt that to feel in any physical way the Baruch Hashem's presence, that's impossible. So Chazal have taught us that the Baruch Hashem, the Torah, and the Jewish people are one. Page Lamed Zayin. What did it mean? What does that mean that every Jew, that the Jew, each person, Yisrael, that were one? What that's referring to is not our bodies, 
But that's referring to the, that, that essential nakuda, the point of, of what's inside each and every Jew, of what a Jew is. When I say inside, again, we're just using a physical word. It doesn't mean anything. And the Shamas and Shemaim and the Shamas are here at the same time. But what, what, is it in a, what is it? What aspect of a Jew is totally bound up with Hashem, is one with Hashem? Kavanasam al It's talking about the Nisham, the soul of a Jew. Which is what? Which is a chelakalakomimal, which is a portion kivyachal of Hashem, which is of Hashem Himself. Chelak mehelakus kivyachal. It's a chelak of a lakus. Mehaein saif. The nisham of a Jew. Again, when I use the word peace, there's no such thing as peace is only when we're talking about cakes and pies and, and you know, stuff like that. It's not a, we're only borrowing a physical term to say that it's a piece of the infinite. It means that the infinite one is bound, is tied up with each and every Jew. And that, and that bond is the neshama. In Cain, Remember, why is it that I can feel my foot at every moment? Unless God forbid someone's paralyzed. Why could a person feel his foot at every moment? The terrorist is because these are two chalakim of the same thing. One chalak can always feel the second chalak, unless there's something wrong. If everything is okay and a person's healthy, then one chalak of myself can feel the other chalak of myself. Right? So, how is it possible for a person to feel the Rishlam? To say that we're one with God? Because if we believe, which is the aside of Aramuna, that the Infinite One Himself is connected to each and every one of us, that means that He's a chalik of us, and we're a chalik of Him. And when there are two chalakim of one, of one, chad, it's one, then it's possible to feel the other. You can't feel somebody else's foot hurting, but if you don't feel your own foot hurting, then it could be something much worse than, than, than your foot hurting. There could be something, God forbid, much more serious wrong with you. But since Kutshebicho Araisebi Yisrael Chad, the Shalom, the Torah, and the Jewish people, and every Yid is one, it means that the Infinite One and myself, Mitzad my Neshama, are one. We're two Chalakim of one infinite reality. And therefore, even though the Baruch Shalom is so vast and so great, but it's still me. And I could feel something as long as it's me. I can't necessarily feel something if it's not me. I can only hear about something that's not me. You could tell me, you could tell me my foot's hurting. You could say to me, Maisha, my foot's hurting. You could say, I'm, I'm very sad. And I could say, I, I empathize with you. So what is empathy? What? Empathy is not a... a, a when you hear it, sorry, that's to happen to somebody else. You, 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 you go and shake it from it, right? You, you, you hear somebody's going through a good failure. You have a friend that Ahmed's going to this, that, everything in the whole life is wrong. You, 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 there's like a, like a close-down atmosphere. You know what I mean? It all depends. Yeah, it all it, depends what kind of a Jew you are. It depends on your madrig of a Jew. Not everybody goes like that. It all depends on your madrig. The closest of friend. No, halavai. A Jew should be able to feel the, 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 what another Jew is, is that feeling. That dogma, what the feelings was that that's that feeling that we're looking for. It, 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 oh, I shouldn't say no. It is a dogma because because in Plinius, each Jew with every other Jew is also connected, and our neshamas, our separate individualized neshamas, come into our bodies through that collective reality that's called Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people in Shemaim. So I shouldn't say it's not a good example. It, it is an example, because Be'etzem, 
I with another Jew were also two parts. Yeah, of, with, 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 with uh, the, 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 the Levine. Yeah, my, right. my wife's foot is hurting us. Right. So that's something which, when a person is when a person works on his on himself to a very 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 high medrega, not everybody can feel that, even if it's your best friend. Rav Kook talks about in the Eretz Shuvah in the thirteenth parak. Not everybody can feel that when a Jew works on his madregas more and and he and he's and he tries to remove from his life all the pagamam, all the blemishes of chait of aver, and all the bad things in his midas, so that he has a, so that his neshama is 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 able to express itself clearly in him. So then he can feel the pain of a Jew in the deepest way, even if it's a Jew that he never met. So you say that's a neshamazach. It's not that's not that's not a feeling. Pain. It's a neshamazach. It's not a feeling. We could feel it because we're bali neshama, but to, but but we're not going to feel the same way that Rabari felt. We're not. We could say it because we, because we love that person. So we'll say, I you know I really feel bad for you. But Rabbi, it's more that we're imagining ourselves in that matzav, as opposed to not feeling connecting it. that person. Right. Uh-huh. Not not feeling it. Not feeling it. That that's a very it requires a big neshama. When I use the word big neshama, it means an, I'm saying an un, an unencumbered neshama with averis and bed midas and narish kaitan. So Rabbi was a Rabbi Levine was a was a, a tzaddik He was that and, and he was a to me was like a child. So therefore, therefore, he, he, when his the, his kashras that he had was so strong that 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 he was that he was able to say that it's hurting us because of because of how yeah taka hurt him taka hurt him and I, and I mentioned I think I mentioned to you a few weeks ago the memory that I have in in Chav Zayin 1967 by the Six Day War I remember so clearly how my mother was crying that my father should eat my father couldn't eat he was so sick with worry. Of what was happening in Israel, and those those few days in June, my father wasn't eating. My mother would bring the food, and my father was sitting with those tra- the old transistor radios, and my father was sitting with this radio, and my, and, and, and my and my father couldn't eat. My mother says, "You have to eat." My father said, "How could I eat? How could I eat?" So you know, you and I could hear about something that's wrong with with Eden and something that they're going through. You could hear, God forbid, there was. That there was, there was it this morning. I heard a suicide. There was one, there was one person that was uh, I heard killed, and and in the West Bank, and uh, and and we could say, oi, oi, and then ten minutes later, you're digging into your kosher delight. You got your little lunchbox there, and you had not only that, you have a complaint. The key believe it, the anti-Semite left my ketchup. He didn't take my ketchup. You know, I don't have my ketchup. You have a tiny. When, when you're worried about about ketchup and there's Jewish blood that looks like ketchup that's dripping all over some place in the West Bank, and tut and you scream out and it hurts you, but I, I have that remember I have that memory of my father. He didn't eat. And the same token, your father's is a survivor. Right. He was also thinking this could be the end of all that stuff. What okay, all that stuff together? Okay, I was reliving that. Could, right. Okay. Besides all that stuff, all that stuff. But it was. Uh, Samuel was, was, was against Zionism. Every time a soldier died, he was like a Are you kidding? Yeah, There's he, a tape. I heard a tape. Yeah. I heard a tape uh, many years ago. About uh, it was uh, it was on a, it was a uh, It was very late. It was very late late at night, and it was and it was by the time of the Muhammad of the Six Day War. And there's a there's a tape of the Samuel screaming the chiyus he never heard about the Almunas and the Yisayimim. He was talking about the soldiers and their wives. What was he talking about? He was talking about other Yidden. Those people don't realize that about him. A tzaddik can feel the pain more than anybody. 
because he has a clean neshama. And and in the world of the neshamas, Yisrael kuchibrichu araisiv Yisrael chadu. Therefore, tzaddik is able to speak. If you look at all the swarm, you see about the tzara shchina. You look, you look at it, so what does that mean? The shchina is in distress. Got my own problems, you know. I got my own problems. I got to worry about his. The shchina is the shchina is having pain. Kalanim yiraishi, kalanim yizray gevald, gevald. That Gemara is talking about even a Russia that's being killed by Bezdin. The Baruch Hashem is screaming, "Kalanim yiraishi, kalanim yiraishi." We're all saying good riddance. Take him away. And the Baruch Hashem is crying, "Kalanim yiraishi, kalanim." The Baruch Hashem is in pain because there's a Jew that's being killed by who? By Bezdin. Kalanim yiraishi, kalanim yiraishi. We're not, we're not masking that. A tzaddik feels that. A tzaddik feels that. The pain in the world of when there's a yid that's not Shemesh Shabbos. But what does it mean when the yid is not putting on tefillin? That the tzaddik has a hergish of that. That, that it causes him unbelievable pain because he feels the tzara shkina. He feels the tzara of that own person's neshama. That, that person's neshama. You know, there's a fame, I'm not going to tell the story now because it says, even with the abridged version, it's at least a half hour. But there's already a mice that by now is already famous, but the Baba Shreb is going with the fifth candle of Hanukkah. You know what I'm talking about? You know the mice. You, 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 you showed it to me. You had, uh, it's Hanukkah, it's that story. Right. It's Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah. Yeah, Shomyon will tell you. Shomyon moved in. He's a big tzaddik. Talk to Shomyon. He'll tell you the mice. The, the mice from the Baba Shreb with the fifth candle is so half of the. It's something that 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 it began, you know, in Warsaw, like in the 1920s, and 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 there was a yid that was that was introduced. I'm just going to tell you the outside of the story that when the yid, when the Babshevi had a the Babshevi was married by the Chasna in Warsaw, and the Friedrich Rebbe, somebody came to get there. All the Polish yid were coming to get brachas. You know, they had. They had they, all the chassidim were coming there to get brachas because the big rebbes were there. All the rebbes were there, and so somebody came to the fiddik of Abba or something, and the fiddik of Abba told him, "Go, you should go meet my, go meet my son Lomendel. I'll, I'll take a look at him. There's something to see." So he came to the Abba He was a kid. The father came with the kid. The one that told us over was that kid. So his father took him in, and the and the and the told him, "You should know that the Abba said to him, you should know that the." The, the, the Hanukkah candle, the candle from Hanukkah, it wasn't Hanukkah at all. It wasn't even near Hanukkah. The Bachelor told him, the Bachelor was just married then, and he said, You should know that the Hanukkah candle is so, so strong. I think he might have even said the fifth candle. The fifth candle of Hanukkah is so powerful that it's, it's, it, can, it can light up for a Jew, even if that Jew is in London or Toronto, or in New York, London or Toronto. That's what the Bachelor said back in the 1920s. In Bachelor? Yeah. The end of the story, without going into it, there were prote protem that ended up happening. And this Jew, Jew that he ended up going through the Muhammad in New York, in Toronto, uh-huh. in London, and and that in the end, in the end, there was somebody that was a, a Jewish child that went, a Jewish person that went totally off the derech and was going to go marry out, and that this yid, that this yid, ended up finding that person on the fifth night of Hanukkah. And, and, and it was a mice that went from Toronto, from New York to Toronto to London. How that you found? And, and that that's what the Rabbi had thought. And not only that, the mice was more than that. When he met the Rabbi by the Chasna, so the Rabbi told him when he was a young man, when the Rabbi was just married, he told him that mice. He told him about Toronto, London. The fifth candle of Hanukkah was the Hanukkah. No. And then, and then he came to see the Rabbi after the war. In like 1952, when the Rebbe was starting in Crown Heights, so then this he came again to give Shalom to. He wasn't the Lubavitcher, but he came to give Shalom to the Rebbe. 
So again, the Rebbe says to him, Oh, you should know that the fifth candle from Hanukkah, <laughs> it was 30, it's already over 30 years later. The fifth candle from Hanukkah, even in Toronto, in New York, in London, told him the same thing. And there was one more time when he told him that. And then only when he was an old man, the whole thing came together, and how he saved a Jewish life from, from New York to Toronto to London. And he walked and he found that girl. It was the fifth candle of Hanukkah. This, is, this wasn't told by Lubavitch Jehoshi. How is that? Tzaddik's neshama is, feels every Jew in the world. What does that mean? We're not masters of the mitos, it's just words. But not like, not just the way that they use in English, empathizing. Because it's two chalokam of one being. It's the same, me and that other person is the same. So he's saying here, that's what the Rebbe Shalom. In other words, the Rebbe Shalom and myself, and each and every one of us, are two chalokim of one mitzvah. Therefore, therefore, how is it possible for a Jew to feel the Rebbe Shalom? The answer is only one way. Only when he enters into that part of himself that's called the Nisham. Because it's that part of himself that is one with God. It's not his ears, it's not his eyes. It's not his appetite, it's not his mouth. What is it about a Jew that's one with God? It's neshama. And only when a person accesses the neshama, which we can do, and we're going to learn about how to do that, only when a person accesses the neshama is he able then to feel the Barisham, because then it's tuchalakim of one being. The same way I can only I can feel my own leg as long as it's attached to me. I can't feel your leg and I can't feel my leg if, it's, if God forbid my leg is cut off and sitting under, uh, uh, under the bed. I can't feel it. But if it's connected to me, I can feel it. As long as I'm healthy. So we have to learn how to use this chush of the neshama. Because in that chush of the neshama, kuchabuchi yisrael v'arayi sechad. It's all one. So he says, in kein chelik echad shirait z'lahagish is chelkel hasheni yochel lahagish. One chelik that wants to feel the other chelik can do it. You can't necessarily feel something that's not a chelik of you, but you can feel something that's a chelik of you. The body cannot feel God. Why? Because the body is not uh, 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 is not elokus. It's not godly. It's created by God and it reflects holiness in the body of a Jew. But it be'etzim is not. It's a physical thing. Therefore, you can't feel God with your, with your physical body because it's not God. The only way that a person can feel the to feel that the Barishlam is Batsam who you are, is your existence. It's only by the Nishama. That cleat, that khush, it's called the Nishama. My Jew, that's a khush. Goyim don't have that khush. Goyim have other chushim and they could talk about God and think about God and they could be very, very, very wonderful and fine people. But they don't have the chush of the neshama. They don't have it. <coughs> if a person is limited to only using his physical body, that's the way that he, that's the way that he experiences his life, only through the body. Isn't all of his experiences of life are limited to what he could access with his body, which includes all the physical limbs and organs and his senses of seeing and hearing and so on. Then certainly you can't experience Hashem as you. 
as, as who you are. You could only talk about God as someone that's separated from you. Or think about Him, or read about Him, or talk about Him. But you can't experience Him from, if you're a person that only uses your physical body to experience reality, then you, you can't experience God. You can't feel God, because God can't be felt with the body. And if you think that you're feeling that, like my sister did, are you baldim you nifla? Then you got it. That means it means you got a terrific imagination. It means you know. It means as long as you keep it to yourself, you, they won't they won't put you away someplace. But if you start talking about it, you know they lock you up. You can you can go right now on the train, and then you know I haven't I haven't been on the train in many years. But if you go on the train, probably you know every day or two you can meet someone that talks to God, that sees God, that has his arm around God, that to do still like, still like yeah, every day, right? So yeah. So so you have anybody that anybody that has these that anybody that has these visions or experiences about Dimin. It's about Dimin. He just has a very vivid imagination. Shein Kamaisa could be he has a unique ability to fantasize such a thing. The Zui Toz Gemura, of course, it's a total mistake. And not only is it a total mistake, but that perversion, of course, has led to idolatry throughout time, and it's the and it's what fuels the continued existence of Catholicism with all of the little Santa Lach and reindeers and everything else. That's all being that's all being nourished and nurtured by the need to have a God that you can hang up that you can hang up you know in your living room, and that is of course a dimian. Uh, that person who imagines that is about Dimian Nifla She'en Kamaisov Zutoz Gemur that's a complete and total mistake Rak HaSherodim Ishtamish in Nishmasai Rak HaSherodim Ishtamish in Nishmasai only when a person uses that part of him which is invisible which he can't see which is his Nishama in the Kudas HaLokus Shanin Tzaysbai with that point of of the Baruch that's inside that's in us then he's able to feel Elokus. He's able to feel Elokus everywhere, in everything and everywhere, certainly within himself. This is the simple reason that any person who does not struggle and work hard over the course of his life to come to a state of you simply don't feel God as anything that really exists you just think that he does or you imagine that he does you may believe that he does you talk about him that he does but you don't actually feel it because you never ever worked on yourself to experience anything besides what you can taste smell, touch, hear or see which is most of us that's all, we've ever, that's all, we, that's all we ever have worked on how do we experience the, to, to experience something is only through the senses. That's why, that's why we've spoken about this over and over since we started learning the sefer. That if you come to, if you come to, you know, a bacher in 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 Tavshin Samachvav, a healthy young man, and 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 you tell him that, you tell him he has to make a choice at this time in his life between the Shalom and that pretty little girlfriend he's got, you know, back in his car. It's very tough to compete. It's very tough to compete for the simple reason. I can hear my girlfriend, I can see her, I'm touching her, and so on and so forth. But when it comes to the Bani Shalom, I just heard about it from my Zaydi. 
It's very hard. It's very, very hard. And the kids are struggling to hold on. So are we, but we just, you know, we've been doing it for a long time, so we, we've gotten used to living a certain way, perhaps. But it's a struggle. It's a struggle. If anybody's thinking, it's a big struggle. If you're not thinking, and you just you know, want to fit into, into a certain group, into a certain community, then you could just, you know, you put on the right uniform, and you show up in shul every now and then, and you shop the right butcher, and you're okay. But if you're thinking, if you're thinking, then it becomes a problem. How do I make a choice? To, how do I choose something that I can't see over something that I do see? How do I choose something that I can't taste over something that I taste? And from there begin all the compromises that even Orthodox Jews will make with their Yiddish guy. Because they never felt God. Because their entire life, all they ever experience are their, uh, 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 um, is the use of their physical senses in this physical world. And that's not how you feel God. So you have this problem. I feel the presence of my girlfriend in a very, very real and obvious way. God I only heard about. It's tough. It's a, it's a, it's a tough competition. He has to be very, very respectful. Big Baldar Harris to take to take his parents' word, you know, at face value to say, "Don't worry, you know, this is good, and you know, you'll be rewarded in the next world." So you can get him scared enough, like all of our Rebbeim did, and parents they got him scared enough, you know, because you know, what if it's out there that I'm going to get like, I'm really going to get it, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. But Lamai said that you should be an Oyved, that you should daven with a fire, and that you should be an Oyved Hashem when you don't feel anything. That's what we're contending with. That's what we're contending with. And then especially the child goes up in the house and sees that his parents don't seem to be feeling much anyway. His parents don't seem to be feeling, and all they're telling him is, just be a good boy, because one day you'll realize why. So then he looks at his parents and he says, I don't know, they're like 40 years older than me, they don't seem to realize anything. So how do you bring so, that family? Huh? So how do you? You can't explain this to that kid. Come, come, I understand what's going on here. No, you don't. We're just trying to. We're trying to. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 so what, what kind? What do you? What do you? Can you tell me this living by example? And, and no. So that's our. That's uh, that's our value. to be dovuk Can a child understand it? Remember that a child's neshama is also very unencumbered, very very clean. They're very clean neshamas, and and therefore there is this natural healthy chush that they have for the bnei shalom that they're born with. Whatever is happening to them is unnatural. So, one of the main things that as parents we have to worry about when they're children, especially when they're little, is how not to allow the other influences to have that effect, effect upon them. This friend of mine told me the other day, he says, you know, I'm the biggest mechanic of my kid. You know what I do for my kid? I don't talk to him. Because I found that any time I talk to him, it messes him up. So I let my wife talk to him. And I, you know what I do? I just smile and, and hand over money. And the car keys. And I learned that this is the I'm doing the best chinuch because ever since I stopped talking to him, he's doing much better. <laughs> no, it's a pretty depressing way to look at chinuch, no? But sometimes you wonder. The kids that I see from our neighbor and other places, balichuva, that never went a day in their lives to the yeshiva, and they're on fire with the, with spirituality and the Bar shalom, right? And and nobody ever told them once to put their finger in the gemara. They don't even know what Gemara is. They just found out last week. And they're davening and their sincerity and their avayda. So what, what's going on? What does that mean? So there's, there are neshamas that are clean. Even though they, even sometimes all children are, and there are even some adults that have very, very clean neshamas. It's amazing. Why that is and how that is, that's not for now. So can a child, can a child learn how to feel the Baruch 
absolutely. It's, it's harder for us to learn that. But a child can definitely feel that. And a child can be raised that way. The problem is once we get older, then we become set in our way of only experiencing life through the senses. Children have very powerful imagination. And they have very, very clean nishamas. And therefore for them, the mistakes that they make thinking about the Rana are just that. Mistakes, philosophical, theological mistakes that they make because their minds are immature. But the field of Rana Shalom, the child is very capable of that. Until we confuse them with other things. And they learn through us and through friends and through school and through, God forbid, through movies and television that there are other senses through which you're going to experience the world, not through your heart. That's what happens. According to your uh, example of uh, youngsters, and I don't know how old you know we're talking about. I, I assume they're mature enough to open up more. The chush was always there, just that they were never enlightened to it. Correct. The chush is, is there with us too. It's just it's got a lot of stuff covering it. And it's, it's, it's every year. It's every always, year. Everyone has the same one. It's just when you know who's enlightened to it and, and when. It, and the enlightenment, the enlightenment is not just. Is not just under, that comes with understanding. It comes with a person with simple faith, hearing something from his parents and from his teachers, and beginning to work hard to try to peel off the layers. Do you yeah. feel that it was just not the right time for these youngsters who are now turning towards Yiddishkeit? Had they been raised in the environment, would they have had the same? You know, yeah, I believe a hundred percent. If they were raised, if they were raised in the right in, environment and the right kind of, I, I believe that for every Jew. The problem, the problem is the confusion of our times is very, very different than it was in the early generations. Because in our times, you could tell kids that you're being raised in an orthodox environment, but all around them they're surrounded by an orthodoxy non-orthodoxy and hypocrisy. See, it was never a problem for a Jew to live in the same community where there's a guy. Where there's a guy, the guy have their way and we have our way. It wasn't even a problem to live in a community where there's a Jew that's not religious. Unfortunately, that person has left the fold. The problem that we have nowadays is how do you explain to the children, you know, uh, orthodox, orthodox, you know, hip-hop. You know, Jews, Jews, uh, th- there's this advertisement for some new stupid album that came out from one, I'm sure one of the hottest names of the little from girls with their heads with their headphones that there's a that I that I saw and rather uh, that my my uh, it was on the table yesterday from one of the fine from I don't mean the newspaper that's the most widely circulated in the Anglo-Saxon world I'm talking about a, a newspaper that's published by Elche people and they and they have in it an advertisement for a new album. No, I don't want to say who the because I'm sure he's a very nice fellow, the one that made the song. But the, there hasn't the picture of the album cover. I just saw this last night. On the album cover, which of course is all Gaiva and Yeshus, like dripping out from the page, Gaiva and Yeshus, conceit and, 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 and arrogance dripping out from the page, which I'm sure he's not really like that. I hope he's not really like that. Probably people told me you got to do that. To like, you know, you got to do that to sell. There are these three guys wearing like these cool looking shades with their hands on, I think it's the Kaisal on the Ravi. Cell phone on the Kaisal. Holding a cell phone to the Kaisal. Yeah, to the Kaisal on the Ravi. Can you hear me now? Yeah. (laughs) 
the play on how, the advertisements. How, I don't know what the advertisement. I don't know where it comes from. It's from a cell phone manufacturer. Oh, I don't know that. That makes it even more loathsome to me. But 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 I. I was eight years above. Didn't have like that kind of stuff. In other words, there are kids that are looking at that. Nice kids, the yeshiva, and they're looking at that and they, and they think that that's an acceptable, that's an acceptable, appropriate way of being a Jew, of being a God-fearing Jew. That that misrepresentation that never existed in the past. And by our eighties and Bobbies, they know that there were certain people that were like, you know, they went their own way, and they joined certain groups, whether they were the Bundistan, the Socialists, the Zionists, whatever they joined, whatever groups the Yiddish system were out there, you know, they joined those groups, and they knew that, that okay, that's not, that's not, a, they're not, they're not claiming to express to express Yiddishkeit. Something just happened. I was reading, I was reading Grad in the Hamadiyya yesterday. That. Uh, last night, that uh, an article from from uh, my friend Yonis Rosenblum is a wonderful guy. I'm sure some of you have read some of his stuff. He's a very talented, wonderful guy. He writes Mishpach. He's a very talented fellow. He's a Baksuva for many years. A wonderful guy. So, so he was writing there about what happened recently. That one of the most chashuva, chashuva, chashuva rabbis in the conservative movement at their big, big yearly gathering with all the all the head hanshos over there, the rabbis and the head, the rich lay leaders of the conservative movement all came together, b'mokem echad, and this and this rabbi is said to be the the biggest balmachshava, the biggest balmachshava in the conservative world. He's in the seminary, the biggest balmachshava. I don't want to say his name anyway. Sokol Sofis. You know what to say. His name's not necessary, but he's a big Balmachshava, and he's a very bright person. I've I've seen some of the things that he's written. Very bright. He finally got up, I think like a week ago, at their big convention that they had, and he said, "Look, Rabbi Yisai, I don't think he said the word Rabbi Yisai, but he said, "Look, he said, look, I think that it's time we stop trying to call ourselves a halachic organization. I think we stop calling ourselves halachic. That was until now." I don't know if it will change in the movement, but until now, the conservatives have been trying to say that we are halachic Jews. Just we have different interpretations of halacha, and halacha changes over the years, and they try to prove that by using, you know, by pulling out some statement from the Ran or the Rambam, to prove how halacha evolves, and all that stuff in the conservative movement for the last 150 years that they've been using. Finally, this guy said, Elch, he's Elch. He got me said, come on. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not, we're not interested in halacha, that's not why we drive on Saturday, you know, because we found that there's a tool from the, you know, from the Red Baz. Uh, we're not interested in the Red Baz. <laughs> he said, let's be, let's be straight, we're not. So what, so then what are the mitzvahs? So he said, beferish. Whatever makes you feel like, uh, whatever makes you feel like that's what God wants. That's what he said. That he's leaving. I'm saying that he's leaving. No, he's saying that's what we have to do. You know, we just do whatever you whatever you feel. What's the difference in the reform? Nothing. So the reform have been saying this from the beginning. Yeah. Now there's no difference. Ah, so what's the difference? The difference is that in the in the synagogue, the conservatives feel more comfortable using some more Hebrew and some more of the traditional tunes. That's all came out. They read it in Hamadir. Yeah. Uh, this Shabbos, this week's. Oh, it's Thursday. Yeah, today's Hamadir. Read it. You'll see. This is what's going on. And he said that, that when Schaffron wrote an article like that a few years ago in, in Moment magazine, in their magazine, he wrote an article like, yeah, you know, what's going on? They went in the sugar, the, the whole movement was screaming and yelling, how could you say such a thing? You're telling us that we don't care about Allah? No, we have a different interpretation of Allah. But now, their own biggest Balmach the biggest Gadol got up and said, 
There's, that's not, it's silly. There's no, there's no halacha. We don't care. Yeah, it was not put in Chayim by JTS or anything. What? It was not put in Chayim by JTS. What are you talking about? He's the firmest in JTS. He's the firmest one. They don't have any more, you know, Ginsburg or, or uh, Heschel. They, they're all, no, no. Because how did this all... So his motive, motive is to move to the left, or his motive is to to be honest. No, he's just being straight. He's just being straight. So they'll stop playing the game. You know. So how do we define others? They're, every year when they have their convention, the, the, the big question: How do we define ourselves? Like we never have to do that, right? We don't have to do that. They always have to. How do we define ourselves? Because in other words, what, 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 what makes us Jewish? Like what is that? Because now your father doesn't have to be even Jewish, and you could be, your mother doesn't have to be Jewish. You can still be Jewish if your father's Jewish, right? So, conservative movement. Yeah, by a large part of it. So how do we define ourselves now? How do we define ourselves? They have to, I feel big. Can you imagine getting together like in an auditorium every year and having to figure out how to define yourself? It's a very, very big Rahmanis. So they have to define themselves. So now the problem is... So they can be Bali Chula coming out of those type of managers that, that, are, that, that think that they're Bali Chula and they're not, they don't really have to be given. Oh, there's a, there's a problem that anybody that's Isaac with the, with, with the modern... With modern Situation knows, of course, these are everyday problems. But the but what's what's happening here is that is that to say is to come to this is to come to this you know, to this realization and to announce that if they am the that they, 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 they we're not there is no halach any you know we don't we don't keep halach we're not, we're not really interested in halach. So what what has what what has come about as a result of this is that. Those people who were not investing, who are no longer prepared to invest in hard work, in amelis, in being shaymatari mitzvahs, in simple faith. So they are not in any way putting themselves in a position where they're capable of developing a chush that we're talking about, the chush to feel the Rishon, because that chush to feel the Rishon comes as a result of somebody accessing his neshama. The way that a Jew accesses his neshama is through Tehran together with avoidna Melis and Devekis Bashar, working hard to establish this relationship with Hashem, with my neshama. But if a person is not observant of Tehran if he doesn't have a, if he's not Shabbat Mitzvahs, then he's losing that contact with his neshama. See, he might go around saying, you know, I, I love God and God loves me. But it's, it's, it's what he calls over here, he's a Baldimian. He's a Baldimian. There can't be any connection to God without Torah Mitzvahs. He's a Baldimian. Our problem is, here we are observing Torah Mitzvahs. And, and we're not... But we're only observing it through our physical senses. And if we're observing it, if our entire Yiddishkeit is something which is reserved to what our physical experience is, and we're not seeking over the course of these years that we're observing to to access the Neshama, because just by keeping it, it's not going to be enough. So how do we come to that, to the Sherish Elokus within us? And he says, that's why... He says, "Zui bets am asiba pshut lakasha kolsha no amal b'derech amivias adam l'dvegas adain ena ma'agis k'dabroch mitzias." That's why, you know, we don't feel us. If all your life, all you're doing is experiencing things using your senses and your body, then you never felt God. He calls man shodim mishdamish amchushi aguf ma'akar sichlai ain't shum derech bogim sheigil k'dabroch v'yagis yatsay. As long as you're just using your brain and your physical body, there's no way in the world you could ever feel God. Came in Shaguf, forgot myself, because your body and your mind. The mind is the highest part of the body. But Sokosov is part of your body. And even your mind can't feel Hashem. It's all the physical body. That's not part of God. Part of God is Yinashama. Your body is not a Chelekel Kamimal, therefore it can't feel God. The body and Hashem are two separate worlds. Of course, He's the Creator, but they're not. 
They're not, it's not the same vocabulary, it's not the same being. Your ability, the ability that your body has to feel something is not, is not the same way that the Barisham can be felt. So never the twain shall meet. So then we're struggling to try to be religious Jews even though we don't feel anything. What does that mean? Imkain. He says, therefore, before we go further, we have to be introduced to our Nishomas. Without not just saying you're Nishomi, you have to you have to be introduced to your Nishoma. Once you recognize your own neshama, then you're able to recognize your better half, which is the Barishlam, who's part of your neshama. But if you don't have any shaykhs in the neshama, then you have no shaykhs, then you have no shaykhs in the Barishlam. What I was saying before is that the confusion our children have in the Orthodox community to see such misrepresentations, that to see that a Yiddishkeit that's being sold in such a ridiculous, absurd, cheap way, that that at least what I was saying is that at least when, when, when that guy, conservative guy got up and he made this statement to say, no, this is not it anymore. This is not halach. We're not keeping law. Okay, you can hear that. That's his, to have a different halach. The children, our children nowadays, they, they don't know what to make of all of this. Because they can hear, they can hear like, I was just talking to Yeshiva Bach the other day. He was, he's been hearing for the last three weeks, Shmuzna about how Hanukkah, the whole yantar of Hanukkah is what? Is Teresh Everybody knows that. Hanukkah is the victory of Teresh And then he doesn't understand how come my, how come my Yeshiva is closing down for the last three days of Hanukkah. And he spoke to the Shiva, he spoke to some of the Rebbeim, and they said, you know, we need a vacation also. So, I was just listening and taking notes for three weeks of Shmuzin about Teresh Balpet, Teresh Balpet, that the, whole way, the only way we could be victorious over the Greeks is what? Is by Yeshiva. Now that you've heard that, everybody go home for Hanukkah. Go bowling and go ice skating for Hanukkah. How do you explain that? So the kids are at a loss, the sincere ones, the thinking ones, the ones that are just looking for vacation. That's great. But the ones who are looking into life deeply, they're wondering, what is, does this mean? The same when they look, what does it mean when you have somebody with this, three guys with sunglasses with a phone up against the castle, making some, some new imitation of some other Gaisha music that they, that they grew up listening to, going to their discotheques listening to, and now they put it with a, with a phone to the castle? What's it mean? So the kids don't know what to make of this. So they, then, and if you're and if you're a parent, you're trying to say this is not the, the, this is not for us. This is not this is not the way a Jew's supposed to be. They look at you like, what are you a nut? All my friends go here. The Hamadia, the Yatay, they put this advertisement. They're not talking about the Jewish League. This is from, from people. Only my father's in Michigan. What's wrong with that, Daddy? What's wrong? What's the big deal? What they're trying to say is that God listens. God takes our call. Well, I know what they're trying to say. I'm not trying to say anything. It has nothing to do with God. Just like none of their music has anything to do even remotely with God. And none of the concerts have anything to do with feeling God. It has to do with making money and making noise. That's all. And if the Indian is to be more of certain Jews, you want to make a hysteris for certain Jews, I'm hoping there's an akuda of that, a rasna for that. That's a totally inappropriate way of doing it. But our ancestors, our brothers and sisters, never had to have these kind of funny things, mixed messages. It was either yes or no. So a lot of people say, but Maishu, they'll say to me, but thank God we have these things, because now we could reach out. I don't go for any of that stuff. I don't believe in that. The, we don't, the Maishu doesn't need us to be his salesman. Nechai's Dagger says by a woman. What? Nechai's Dagger says by a That's right, we don't have to do such a thing. But besides that, the, I don't have to sell the Maishu wool in Yerushalayim. I don't have to sell his his, his <laughs> Tanakh. I don't have to sell his psukim in Tanakh because there's some, some, some guy with, with shades that has a phone to the cousin that's trying to make some money because he doesn't have a regular job. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. And that's not what I've told. But you're stuck because the kids like, you know, they don't, they don't have to make of any of this. They, there's confusion. 
they're not going to have that brother because now the rabbi and the conservative said, Kidlach, don't be confused. We don't believe in halacha. So we're free. It's a mechayim. Now I don't have to worry anymore about halacha. I don't have to have I don't have to have my rabbi explain why I'm a chal Shabbos because I'm not a chal Shabbos because Shabbos is only what you want to feel Shabbos to be. So, and our children that's that's filtering into our kids also in a very subtle way. Sabbis We have to we have to be on guard. Okay. Uh,